And now, before we officially begin this week's episode of the Boochcast, I have something very important that I need to discuss with all of you here at the Boochcast Nation. As you know, for many years now, I have been affiliated with a wrestling company called Universal Championship Wrestling. And the company is run by a gentleman by the name of Ronnie Gossett. I've known Ronnie for close to seven years now, and and anyone who knows Ronnie like I do knows what a bright light he brings with him everywhere he goes. Sadly, his declining health has added to the intense depression that he's fought since losing his daughters in 2017. Ronnie, in addition to being a wrestling promoter, also uses his musical gifts to spread joy to everyone around him and invest in his community every time he has the opportunity. Ron's health has begun to severely affect his quality of life and his ability to function independently. After being hospitalized, he has been advised by doctors that he doesn't have the one to two years it would take to get his health under control. However, there is a solution. Ron can get through this physical trial and thrive if he is able to raise the funds for a life-saving surgery. There is so much hope for his life, there is so much joy left for Ronnie to spread, and there are so many more fun nights he gets to create. Fighting diabetes that is out of control, coupled with blood flow issues and coronary heart disease, has brought intense pain to Ronnie's life daily and made even the most simple tasks incredibly difficult. He is losing the ability to work and provide for himself. Ron has been involved in the professional wrestling industry as a wrestler and a promoter for over 20 years with events that entertain many and also makes a living traveling throughout Georgia and South Carolina, facilitating karaoke and using his singing talent to entertain and inspire others. Ronnie will wear the mask of I'm okay forever and is the last person to ask for help. Trust me, I know this from experience. I love Ronnie to death, but he is a stubborn bastard, and he will never ask for help. He has needed friends to help him get to and from events in recent weeks, but struggles with shame, embarrassment, and believing that no one cares about him. His life matters, and it can be saved. Any amount helps. A surgery will save his life and give him the opportunity to live many more years blessing the lives of others, even reconnecting with his children in the future. And that is why I'm encouraging everyone to go to the GoFundMe page that we have on our Boochcast Facebook page and donate whatever amount you can to help him raise the money he needs for this life-saving surgery. The goal is to raise $15,000. Now, as I mentioned before, every little bit helps. So you're not required, obviously, to donate thousands of dollars if you don't have that kind of money to throw around. But every little bit that you can give helps. And just to show how serious I am about this, I personally, Vinny Bucci, have donated $50 to the GoFundMe campaign. And I'm doing it for two reasons. One, because I consider Ronnie a dear friend in addition to a coworker, and I desperately want him to get better. But the other reason is to show all of you, the Boochcast Nation, that I always practice what I preach. And the one thing that I always preach to you guys is that I never, ever, ever, under any circumstances, ask any of you to donate money to any cause that I myself 
am not willing to donate to. So go to GoFundMe.com slash Saving Ron's Life. I will have links to this on the Boochcast Facebook and Twitter page for you guys to easily access and donate whatever amount you can. Every little bit helps no matter what it is. Don't feel like if you're donating a small amount, you're not contributing. You are helping us to reach this goal. Let's help Ronnie get back on his feet and get him the life-saving surgery he needs to thrive and provide and live a long and happy life. What's up, everybody? This is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, and welcome to the recap of NXT. Now, before I get into this NXT recap, I do have to give a quick reminder here for everybody out there in case you are not in the know. Uh, Last week, John Tumblin made his return to the show after being gone for quite some time and also because of scheduling issues on both of our ends that have prevented us from being able to do the show together. Well, due to the fact that John is in the process of planning his wedding, him and his fiance are planning for their wedding, which is set to take place in October, uh, John re 
realized he needed a break from the show because he knew he could not consistently be part of the NXT recaps. So he will be returning sometime in November to the show. However, he has said that he will commit to filming the Collision in Korea episode of Boochcast Reviews Dark Side of the Ring. And he also said that in October, he will be able to do the D&D show once we finally set a date for this motherfucker. But we know it's going to be in October. That's the best we can give at this current point in time. But at least now we have a date for that, so that's all that matters. So John will not be here for quite a while, so it'll just be me by myself, or if occasionally any of the other co-hosts want to jump in and join me, they are more than welcome to do so. But on that note, we're going to get started with NXT, and we kick things off with our first official match of the evening, a number one contenders match with the winners to face the way for the NXT Women's Tag Team titles. We have Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart versus Zoe Stark and Io Shirai versus Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez. And this match can best be described as a spot fest. And ladies and gentlemen, one thing I love about NXT is that even though there are spot fests in certain matches, they don't happen often. You know, you're not going to see a match that is just high spots and nothing else. It's it's the difference between NXT and AEW. NXT has high spots in matches. AEW has high spots instead of matches. That's the fundamental difference. But this is one of the rare moments where the match is just spot, 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 spot. Usually anytime there's a fatal five-way or a triple threat tag team match or tornado match or anything like that, expect to see a bunch of spots monkey bullshit and that is basically what we saw in this match now there were moments where there was storytelling and hard-hitting moments and great wrestling but this was overall a spot fest with everyone getting their shit in but in the end Io Shirai hits uh, Dakota Kai with her over the moon salt for the win and now Io Shirai and Zoe Stark are getting the shot at the women's tag team titles. Now, I'm still a firm believer that The Way is losing the tag team titles at the Great American Bash because I still maintain that this is where we're going to see the final payoff with Indy Hartwell and Dexter Loomis finally becoming a couple. I think Indy Hartwell is going to eat the pin or she's going to tap out and Candice is going to get mad. It's going to cause the breakup and Dexter Loomis is going to make the save in some capacity and we're finally going to see them together as a couple and Indy Hartwell is going to leave the way. I do believe that is happening. But at the same time, I don't know how I feel about EO Shirai and Zoe Stark getting the belts. I feel like this is a way to put a belt on Io Shirai and also because she's a very firm believer in I beat Candice because Io Shirai beats Candice all the fucking time which Io has made clear that she has always beaten Candice LeRae. So I figure they're probably going to let Io Shirai be the one to take the belts off of them with Zoe Stark's help. And they're going to become tag team champions. And I guess with the push that Zoe's gotten lately, they feel like they're ready to put a belt on her. I still maintain that it should be Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez. Uh, I don't want to see Ember and Shotzi with the, bl- with the belts because I feel like either one of them could be NXT Women's Champion. But 
I guess uh, if we're going to make the women's division better uh, with tag teams, I guess you got to get different teams with different with the belts around. So uh, this is probably a way for Io Shirai to get a title back around her waist since she was already the women's champion for what feels like a fucking eternity. But anyway, we cut to the backstage area and we have Johnny Gargano attacking Karrion Cross. Cross is held back by officials and referees because obviously he needs to be because... You know, he's more likely to rip Gargano's head off, but not a bad beat down in the back, but, you know, what's to be expected. Then we cut to the backstage area where Hit Row walks up on Bronson Reed, and Top Dollar tells Reed if he's a real champion, he'll put his title on the line. Swerve says against him tonight. And obviously, I've been waiting for this match. I've been waiting for the moment when, uh, you know... Swerve could get finally get a shot at the North American title. My only complaint about this is the fact that I wish it had happened at the Great American Bash instead of taking place tonight. Now, I'll talk about the match a little bit later, but I just want to say right now, I wish this match had happened at the Great American Bash because I don't that this is the thing about wrestling in general that always pisses me off is when you have a pay-per-view or a big event coming up and you put big money-making matches on the free regular show. I hate that. WWE does it a lot. AEW does it a lot. NXT also does it a lot. And I hate when all three of these companies do that. Now, I know NXT and WWE are under the same umbrella, but still, I treat NXT like a separate company because in a lot of ways, it is. You know, because they operate on a totally different level than Raw and SmackDown do. And, of course, they mentioned the breakout tournament. And then what I thought was interesting was they announced the breakout tournament from 2019. Because obviously they didn't do one last year because of COVID. But I forgot how many big stars in NXT now were in that breakout tournament. And it was good of NXT to remind us who those people are. Because that motivates us, or at least me, even more to want to see this year's breakout tournament. Since we know Cameron Grimes was in that tournament. Bronson Reed was in that tournament. Dexter Loomis was in that tournament. Among others. I'm sure there's other names. I can't think of them on top of my head right now. But I do know that after reminding us who the breakout stars in that tournament were, it makes me want to see this that much more. I now want to see this breakout tournament. And I don't know if it's going to be a women's tournament or a men's tournament. Because I know there's been some women that were signed there. I'm hoping uh, Priscilla Kelly, a.k.a. Gigi Dolan, We'll be in that if there's a women's version of this tournament. But as far as the guys go, I can't think of any guys on top of my head that have been signed recently. But I do know that we need to see some more breakout talent. And I'm hoping the more good talent that comes out of this breakout tournament, the more likely we can call some of these other guys up to the main roster. Because as talented as they are, they're just taking up space. And on that note, we cut to uh, Karrion Cross, who rushes the ring and demands Gargano come get his beating. Gargano walks the ring and distracts Cross so Austin Theory can attack him from behind. Cross quickly dispatches both Theory and Gargano. Cross is about to hit Gargano with the ring stats, but several officials rush to stop him. Gargano sneaks in a super kick in the confusion. And I gotta say, this was brilliantly well done. I loved every moment of this. Karrion Cross not being afraid wanting to fight, and Gargano being a vintage heel, having his lackey do the beatdown for him. They're, you know, start attacking, but then Cross quickly gets rid of both of them because they're all small compared to him, and then all of a sudden, the officials come out to stop him, and then Gargano, when he least expected, super kicks 
uh, Cross while he's holding the ring steps. So naturally, that would knock out Karrion Cross because he kicks the steps, steps hit him in the head, he goes down. It's believability. And that's what I love about NXT. Whenever Karrion Cross gets attacked or gets taken off his feet or gets hit or gets destroyed in some way, it looks believable. There's nothing phony about it. And that's what makes Karrion Cross continue to look strong even when he's been, you know, knocked knocked around silly. Because he can, you can believe that a real man of his size would get hurt that way. And on that note, we're on the next match of the evening, if we even want to call it that. We have Roderick Strong with the Diamond Mine versus Asher Hale. Well, he quickly makes him tap out with a modified butterfly lock, which I like. And what I really loved about this match was the fact that, even as, as short as it was, Roderick Strong looked like he had a new wrestling style to him. Plus, it's kind of weird seeing Roderick Strong be the leader of a faction when he was pretty much a second-in-command in the Undisputed Era. But now he's the main guy. He's the focal point. He's the centerpiece. And I feel like if Roderick Strong can knock this out of the park... It could put him on the fast track to the NXT title. But I also like the fact they're giving him more of a wrestling style background. And he's got like butterfly locks. He's got more of a submission style, which makes sense. Since Marina Schaefer is his uh, wife. And she's one of the four horsewomen of UFC. So naturally, she could teach Roderick Strong a thing or two as far as UFC fighting and submission. You know, because obviously Roderick Strong's an accomplished wrestler. But I don't know much about his submission, grappling, striking background. And then, of course, after the match, Malcolm Bivens says the Diamond Mine is open for business, which is what I like. And it did exactly what it needed to do. It established Roderick Strong, the leader, as a badass. Malcolm Bivens is the mouthpiece, as well he should be, because he's a great fucking manager. And they're establishing the Diamond Mine as a group that's going to dominate NXT. And I like that because... Even though it's June, we know in November there's going to be War Games. And we're going to need some teams for War Games. So I think the Diamond Mine is going to be perfect for War Games. The question is, who are they going to face? That's what I'd like to see. Right now, the only other four-person faction really is Hit Row, but they got a girl in the group. So unless the Diamond Mine is going to add a girl to their group... I don't see uh, Hit Row and the Diamond Mine getting into a War Games match together. So I'll be intrigued to see what four-man team goes up against the Diamond Mine. But the Diamond Mine definitely needs to be in War Games. And on that note, we cut to the next match of the evening, if we even want to call it that. Cameron Grimes versus Ari Sterling. Um, this match was there. You know, there's a little bit of back and forth, but then Sterling misses a dive and lands on his feet. That was impressive. Uh, but then Grimes crushes him with the cave-in, and he gets the win. So Cameron Grimes gets a quick win here to kind of get his footing back and reestablish himself after the loss he took from L.A. Knight. Speaking of which, after the match, L.A. Knight comes out to the stage. Uh, you know, he basically brags about the fact, yay, congratulations to Cameron Grimes, blah, blah, blah. But then Grimes challenges Knight to a match for the Million Dollar Championship. And Knight says the only way he'll do it is that if he wins, Grimes will be forced to become his butler. Grimes agrees. Okay, I'm going to say this right now. You guys already know how I feel about LA Knight, so I don't think I need to say it again. But just in case any newbies out there, I'll make it quick. Give him a microphone, let him talk every week. The man is gold. 
Not just because he has the million dollar title, but because he is the total package when it comes to what you want in a wrestler. He is NXT as far as I'm concerned. But that being said, I'm not a big fan of the stipulation that Cameron Grimes is going to become LA Knight's butler. Because I've seen this storyline play out before. There's like a personal assistant, you know, a chauffeur. It doesn't go well. Because basically, let's say LA Knight beats Cameron Grimes. And Cameron Grimes becomes the butler of LA Knight. We're going to see a couple of segments. And then eventually Grimes is going to be like, I'm sick of this shit. And then eventually he's going to fight LA Knight to either end the butler thing. Or Grimes is just going to quit and that'll be it. Like it, it's, it's, it's not going to end well. These storylines never end well. And also, if Cameron Grimes does win and becomes the million dollar champion, well, then it kills everything that LA Knight's been doing. He just won a ladder match not too long ago. So if he drops the belt now, then what the fuck was the point? There was no point. It makes that ladder match meaningless. It makes him attacking Ted DiBiase afterwards meaningless. It looks stupid. So unless Cameron Grimes is going to commit to this Butler thing, then it's not going to work. Assuming that, you know, Cameron Grimes comes with LA Knight to the ring and Cameron Grimes is forced to help him. There's got to be something there that motivates Cameron Grimes to fulfill this Butler obligation. Kind of similar to when JBL owned Shawn Michaels for a period of time. Like, Shawn... Didn't want to work for JBL, but apparently Sean, storyline-wise, had money problems, and JBL was helping him, so JBL kind of owned Shawn Michaels. So he forced Sean to do things he didn't want to do, because he needed the money to support his family, until Sean couldn't take it anymore, and then him and JBL had a match where, you know, JBL says, if you beat me, I'll pay you everything that I owe you. I'll basically give you the ultimate severance package. But if I beat you, I own the trademark of Shawn Michaels and you work for me forever, basically. So Shawn Michaels ended up winning. JBL gave Shawn the money and Shawn was able to financially take care of his family storyline wise. And JBL played it off very well. He said it's like taking a bucket of water out of the Atlantic Ocean. I'm still fabulously wealthy. So we'll see how the storyline plays out, but I just don't know if this benefits anyone either way. I don't know how you're going to make this fun, unless Cameron Grimes is going to become the next Virgil, which is not a spot that he needs to be in. So I reserve judgment for the Great American Bash. We'll see what happens, but I got to tell you, the stipulation is not sitting well with me. And then, of course, you know, Io Shirai confronts uh, The Way and talks about how Candice, you never beat me and will be champions and blah, blah, blah. Next, we cut to the in-ring segment. We have Kyle O'Reilly. O'Reilly says he proved after the unsanctioned match that he belongs in the main event. Kyle O'Reilly demands Cole come to the ring. Cole walks down the ramp. Samoa Joe appears behind Cole, and he has a ton of security with him. Joe tells him he is out here for their safety. Joe stands between Cole and O'Reilly. Cole says O'Reilly is obsessed with him. O'Reilly says Cole is obsessed with him. Cole says no one would even be talking about O'Reilly if it wasn't for Adam Cole. Cole says he carried O'Reilly for nearly four years. Everyone knows it. Even O'Reilly's wife knows it. O'Reilly says he's ashamed of his time with Cole in the Undisputed Era. O'Reilly calls Cole pathetic. Cole slaps the mic out of O'Reilly's hand and hits Joe in the chest. Cole takes a swing at O'Reilly and almost hits Joe. O'Reilly traps Cole in a heel hook. Cole screams in pain for Joe to help him. Joe looks at Cole and walks away. Joe eventually waits for security to break it up. And... This was interesting because, like he said, he slapped the mic out of O'Reilly's hand and hits Joe in the chest. 
Technically, that's a physical provocation. So Joe could have easily choked out Adam Cole right then and there. But he put him in the heel hook. So Joe basically looked at him and said, I won't kill you, but I don't have to save you. And basically walked away. And then eventually waits for security to break it up after Adam Cole's been locked in there for a period of time. So I found that interesting. Because normally I'm waiting for to see Joe go off and beat the shit out of somebody or choke them out. But in this case, Joe did the right thing. It's like, you put your hands on me. He was even touching him when he grabbed his leg and everything else. So Joe didn't really have to do anything because Kyle O'Reilly already had Adam Cole locked in the heel hook and was already causing enough pain. So I like the way this was done. But what I do want to say as well is that we need to see moments where Samoa Joe snaps and beats people up more. Because fans want to see it. They want to see the physical provocation. You know, because a lot, because what people, most people don't know is that this is a lot like when Stone Cold was the co-general manager. Linda McMahon said you can't go around beating the hell out of WWE superstars unless you are physically provoked. So we had to wait for Austin to get physically provoked, which would usually happen on pay-per-views and rare moments on Monday Night Raw. Like him and Jericho would be drinking beer or something. Jericho would pat Austin on the back. That's like, oh, he touched him. So now Austin can hit him with a stunner. So you had to wait for the loopholes. But until then, Austin would just be chomping at the bit to knock somebody's teeth out or beg them to hit him so he could fucking do something. So I want to see more of that when Joe's out there or more emphasis put on that. So that way we're all kind of looking for the moment. We need to look at, look for that moment. Now, as far as Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly go, this is benefiting Kyle O'Reilly more than anything else. Now, the big question is, who's going to win at the Great American Bash? I'm probably in the minority here, but I strongly believe that Kyle O'Reilly should win this match. And I'm going to tell you why. Adam Cole has done it all in NXT. I know he wants to stay there. I know he has genuine fears of going to the main roster. But there is nothing left for Adam Cole to do in NXT. He's done it all. He's held all the gold. He led the greatest faction in the history of NXT. He's proven himself to be the Iron Man. And he stepped into the ring with the biggest names in the company. In NXT at least. It is time for Adam Cole to put up or shut up. It is time for Adam Cole to prove that he is truly the best in the world, that he is truly the greatest, that he is truly a star in this business. He needs to go to the main roster. Yes, you heard me correctly. Adam Cole needs to go to Raw or SmackDown, preferably SmackDown. Why? Because SmackDown provides more opportunities than Monday Night Raw does. SmackDown is better written and more organized than Monday Night Raw is, as Elvis and I talked about on the uh, podcast we did, The Elvis Strikes Back. And not only that... Pat McAfee is on SmackDown. And recently, Pat McAfee was talking shit about Adam Cole because their rivalry got nominated for an ESPY. And Pat McAfee was talking a little bit about Adam Cole during the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. So I would love to see Adam Cole go to SmackDown and at some point down the road, I propose WrestleMania, they reignite the rivalry between Adam Cole and Pat McAfee. Put it on WrestleMania on the grandest stage of them all. That's what I would do. Why? Because it would put it in front, put more eyes on the product. 
Because let's be honest, most of the Hollywood mainstream people aren't really watching NXT. They should be, but they're not. NXT is more for the wrestling fan. Raw and SmackDown is more for the casual viewer. So I think that putting it on WrestleMania will put more attention drawn to it. Because let's be honest. WrestleMania gets more attention than the takeovers. The main pay-per-views get more attention than the takeovers. I'm not saying they're better. I'm saying they get more attention. But I believe Adam Cole needs to go to SmackDown. And then maybe someday, once he's established himself as somebody that you can take seriously, put him on Raw. Adam Cole needs to go to the main roster and prove himself. Because if you just stay in NXT the whole time, eventually you're going to become the guy that has to put everyone over. Now, if Adam Cole is comfortable with that, so be it. But he can't just be the guy on top all the time. Because the public, or at least the fans, will get tired of it. Kyle O'Reilly is getting over. Kyle O'Reilly is establishing himself as a singles competitor. And with the impressive matches he has had lately since going solo, not just with Adam Cole, but with everyone else that he's faced, this is Kyle O'Reilly's time to shine. But he won't be able to shine if Adam Cole is still on the roster. So this needs to be the match to end it all. Kyle O'Reilly needs to get the win, and then Adam Cole needs to fuck off to SmackDown. Put him on SmackDown, get him off NXT, and let Adam Cole prove himself on the main roster. He's done it all. And, and let me tell you something. Be very. Let me be very clear about this. I am a fan of Adam Cole. I like Adam Cole. But I also know that there comes a time where you gotta go away. And Adam Cole didn't take nearly enough time off from that match. He didn't sit at home long enough to be in a situation where the fans can miss you. Now, if he sat at home for a long time, really long time, and eventually came back, okay. But since they're not going to do that, it's time to go to the main roster. Adam Cole needs to move on. This is Kyle O'Reilly's moment, and he needs to have it at the Great American Bash. And on that note, we're going to move on to the next match of the evening. We have Mercedes Martinez and Jake Atlas versus Zia Lee and Boa. This was a decent match. Uh, to me, it wasn't over-the-top exciting. I mean, of course, Mai Ying stood up from her throne, Lee attacked Martinez from behind, and blah, 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 and then Martinez uh, managed to click out, but she's clearly not right, but the referee calls for the bell. So basically, even though she kicked out, she was still, like, dazed, so the referee stopped the match, and I like that. I like the fact that she kicked out, but because she was not clearly not able to continue physically, the referee stopped the match. That's a good way for uh, Martinez to still remain somewhat strong. But it also makes Xia Li and Boa look dangerous. And it looks like they're really trying to build them up because, you know, they're trying to establish themselves as badasses because Mercedes is kind of already a badass despite the losses. And Jake Atlas, he don't need a push because he ain't special. I'm sorry, Jake Atlas is a lot of things. Interesting is not one of them. So... This is a good TV match to help Xia and Boa. And then, of course, after that, we have the sit-down, um, you know, promo showdown face-off with Tommaso Ciampa and Timothy Thatcher against MSK. And basically, one team wants respect, the other team wants gold, and they're basically saying that the champions are the underdogs and, you know, the challengers need to show respect to MSK, which MSK does not deserve any respect because they are a garbage tag team, and I've said it before and I'll say it again, it is a fucking disgrace that they are the tag team champions. And I pray to God 
that they lose these belts next week. If MSK walks out of the Great American Bash as the tag team champions, you're going to hear me yelling and screaming and cussing on next week's recap. I will fucking lose my shit if they don't win these tag team titles. If Tommaso and Timothy don't win those tag team titles, I will fucking lose my mind. Because MSK, to me, is a garbage tag team. Always has been, and it looks like they always will be, because they are spot monkeys for life. And on that note, we cut to the backstage area with Gargano and Theory, who attack Cross in the parking lot. Gargano slams Cross's own car door on him. Gargano brags into the camera. Cross gets up and locks Gargano in the Cross jacket. Gargano passes out. Cross blasts Gargano in the back of the head with an elbow strike. Theory is sent flying into a garage door, and Joe drags Gargano back into the arena. And technically, that does not count as him physically assaulting a wrestler. He's just, he was basically dragging him in the back like a kid being dragged to the principal's office. You know, Joe had to pick him back up because he was fucking dead and then dragged him back inside and basically told him what a fucking idiot he was. So it was very entertaining. And of course, once again, Gar- you know, cross establishing dominance, but him getting hurt in believable ways. So obviously, this is going to lead to some NXT championship match. Uh, I don't know when it's going to happen. I don't think they mentioned it being at the Great American Bash. All I know is this. If Gargano does beat Karrion Cross, there has to be some fuckery involved. So if they make this match a hardcore match or a no-holds-barred match or a no-disqualification match, expect Gargano to win and expect there to be some fuckery. And I have no objections to Gargano being NXT champion because I feel like it's the best way to help the way. All I'm going to say is this. If he does win the NXT title, Candice needs to win the women's title. And Austin Theory needs to work his way to the North American title. And on that note, we move on to the main event of the evening for the NXT North American Championship. Bronson Reed defends the title against Isaiah Swerve Scott with Hit Row. This was a stellar main event. And I'm going to sum this up with this phrase. If you don't know, now you know that this is a faction to take seriously. It was competitive. It was awesome. It had edge of your seat moments. Swerve did a couple of, you know, spot spot moments, but they were placed in time perfectly and they all made sense in the grand scheme of things. Like at one point Isaiah went for a um a sun a sunset flip powerbomb off the ring apron, but then um Bronson just did a bonsai drop and practically suffocated him with his ass. I thought that was funny. Good good spot in the match. Also, Top Dollar ran at Bronson Reed, but Bronson tossed him through the barricade, which I thought was epic. You know, that was another very well-done spot. But other than that, it was just these guys fucking killing each other, near falls, edge-of-your-seat moment. This is a great main event. And then, of course, um, Swerve lands a stiff kick to Reed's head, hits a 450 splash on Reed's back as he's, like, hanging in the ropes, and pins him one, two, three. The winner and the new North American champion, Isaiah Swerve Scott, which is exactly how this match should end. I get that Bronson Reed had a great journey to the championship, but Isaiah Swerve Scott and Hit Row is an insanely over gimmick and faction. Isaiah needed to be the North American champion. Since he's not quite ready for the NXT title yet, this is the right move. 
making him the North American champion, having Hit Row establish themselves as a faction to take seriously. Now all you got to do is get Top Dollar and Adonis to win the tag belts and finally put the girl in the ring so we can sh- so we can see if she can wrestle. That's what we need to see next. We need to find out if the girl can wrestle and if she can, put her on the track to the women's title. We need to start building these factions and letting them hold the gold. That needs to be a thing now. And Hit Row is definitely the faction to take seriously. It was it was stellar. This is the right call to make. And I hope Isaiah holds this belt for a long time. And like I said earlier in the show, my only complaint about this match was it did not happen at the Great American Bash. Because this would have been a great moment for the Great American Bash. It would have made sense. It would have been entertaining. And it would have gave you one more great match on the card. Because if you're going to do a special event or a pay-per-view, go all out. All your title matches should be on an event like the Great American Bash. Not on the go-home show or a month before. If you know you got a big event coming up, build to it. Stack the card as much as you can to get people to take it seriously. But other than that, fucking great. I look forward to seeing what Isaiah Swerve Scott can do as a North American champion. And as far as Bronson Reed goes, he can live to get over another day, and who knows? Maybe at some point down the road, if Gargano fails to beat Karrion Cross, maybe Bronson Reed could go for the NXT title. Because he'd be believable to beat Karrion Cross. Maybe we put Bronson Reed in that picture, have him be the NXT champion, because I can see him dominating for quite a while. So there's multiple things you can do with Bronson Reed now that he's no longer the North American champion. He doesn't need the belt at this stage. He can go somewhere else as far as storylines go, not companies, because I feel like he's destined for bigger things. Bronson Reed's insanely over. The thick boy gimmick works. He's ready for an NXT title run, I believe. Just got to build it properly. And that, ladies and gentlemen, will wrap up this recap of NXT. I thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you are following the Boochcast on Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, and Google Podcasts. Pick your favorite one, follow us on the site, or you can follow us on all four hosting sites if you're a true fan. Listen to the show. We got great content coming to you guys every single week. Also, make sure you like us on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash theboochcast. We have archived episodes of the show as well as great Facebook content. Also, be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at theboochcast. Get the latest tweets, photos, and videos of the show. Also, make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. We have Boochcast Reviews, Dark Side of the Ring up there right now. We got 16 episodes. New episodes are coming soon. Also, some great skits, promotional stuff, great fun segments including our D&D one shot and the archives of our wrestling watch parties you can check them all out on the Boochcast YouTube channel also hit the subscribe button and ring that bell to be notified so you know when we'll be posting new Boochcast YouTube content also make sure you are following us on Twitch go to twitch.tv slash the Boochcast that's where you check out our live wrestling watch parties and live chat with us during those shows the next one will be August 21st for WWE SummerSlam. That's right. We're going to have a SummerSlam watch party. Make sure you guys are following us on Twitch now so you can be prepared when we go live. Chat with us during the show. We're going to have a great time. Also, we're going to be having our live D&D show there so you can live chat with us during our D&D episodes. Scheduled to take place in October. And of course, like I said, we got a 
big, big moment coming. We can't reveal it yet, but when we can, it's gonna be stellar. So be on the lookout for the D&D show in October, and of course, there'll be other content coming soon to the Twitch channel as well. And of course, you can support the Boochcast by going to anchor.fm slash the Boochcast slash support. Become a supporter of the show. You can support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes. It allows us to upgrade our equipment, keep the lights on, pay the bills, but also bring in bigger name guests and also take care of the guys who work very hard behind the scenes here on the Boochcast. We have three different levels that you can contribute at. We don't have any prizes for them yet, but we're working on that. But if you contribute now, you will get your prize later once we establish what they are. So you only so you have to wait for the prizes if you don't want to. So the first level is 99 cents a month. That's right. For 99 cents a month, you can help keep the Boochcast going. It can help us thrive, help us continue to grow. It's 99 cents. It's not a whole lot, just a dollar. Uh, it's better than giving it to a homeless guy who's probably going to spend it on something that you don't know what. Here at the Boochcast, you know exactly where your money is going. So do- donate 99 cents a month. The other option you can donate is $4.99 per month, which is basically the same price as a Peacock subscription. I know a lot of you guys out there are saying, fuck the Peacock, you're not interested. Well, that's good. Take the money you would get the Peacock, give it here to the Boochcast. Our content is way better anyway. And of course, the final level is $9.99. That's right. For $9.99 per month, $9.99, you can keep the Boochcast going. The same price you would give to a WWE Network subscription. Those of you who live here in the United States, you know we no longer have access to the WWE Network. So that $9.99 you were given to WWE, take it away from them, bring it over here. Now you got a place to put it. And like I said, we got better content than the network. I guarantee it. So pick your contribution. Donate to the show. We greatly appreciate it. You can pay with a credit card or with GPay by going to anchor.fm slash the Boochcast slash support. All your support is greatly appreciated. And until next time, this is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, saying keep on living life and take care. This has been The Boochcast. We'll talk to you guys next time. Until then, pizza, baby! Well, I see by the clock on a wall that it's time to bid you one and all goodbye. Goodbye. So long. So long. Farewell. Farewell. Adieu. Adieu. Be good. Stay well. Bye-bye. Keep warm. Relax. And eat. Take care. Stay loose. Adieu, mon vieux. À la prochaine. Goodbye till when we meet again.